This Memorial Day weekend is all about remembering, where we remember the links that many went to to give their lives in service to this country. But many of you perhaps remember when Memorial Day wasn't called Memorial Day, it was called Decoration Day. It had its origins in the Civil War, where widows and family members and friends and colleagues would literally decorate the graves of fallen soldiers who had given their lives in service to their country in the Civil War. Now, as the years went on, as the decades went on, this memory, this remembering of those that gave their life in service to the country began to fade because those who personally knew somebody who had given their life, it meant something so much more to them. But for those who heard secondhand or thirdhand, would celebrate, would remember, and yet it wasn't as powerful. And as the decades and as the century has gone by, we now have moved from decorating to memorializing to remembering those that have given their lives in service, not just for the Civil War, but all wars. In fact, many on this Memorial Day weekend will also give thanks of gratitude and memory for those that have given their lives in service as frontline responders as people who have served this country, even outside of the fields of war, and we find ourselves in this weekend remembering. However, I find myself on this weekend in 2020 not personally knowing one person who has given their life in service to this country. And so while I gather and while I celebrate and while I remember, because there's not that personal connection, Sadly, it's not as powerful. The closest connection I have is perhaps my grandfather. He's passed away a number of years ago, but he was a member of the U.S. Army. He was part of the Allied forces that stormed the beaches of Normandy, not on D-Day, but the day after D-Day. And though I heard stories about his service, I never heard stories about how he lost close friends in the field of war. In fact, my understanding, though he never shared these stories, is that he lost a very close friend next to him in a battle. And so he had this personal experience of one whom he personally knew who had given their life and service to their country. And it changed him. You see, if you have a personal connection with somebody who's given their life and service to others, it changes you. I remember this moment, uh, gosh, 20 years or so, maybe more, where my family, we went to Hastings Ranch in Pasadena and saw Saving Private Ryan in the theaters. And I was sitting right next to my grandfather, and we didn't really think about how it would uh, impact him emotionally in such a profound way. But I remember this moment is right in the very beginning uh, where Spielberg masterfully is showing uh, the horrors of war. And as they are storming the beaches of Normandy, as they are coming out of those U-boats, as the Axis forces are, are fighting against the Allied forces, there is this moment that I, I distinctly remember. I remember this moment more than anything else about the film. I remember my grandfather, a World War II vet, somebody who went in on the second day of D-Day. I remember him yelling out loud, take cover, as if he was in the battle, as if he had transported in his mind back to that fateful day on the beaches of Normandy. Memory is powerful. 
In fact, the word remember is foundational to who we are. Many of you have heard me say this, that the word remember is found so frequently in Scripture. It outnumbers the word believe five times to one. It outnumbers the word trust two to one. 233 times we find the word remember. In the Hebrew language, the language of the Old Testament, it's the word zakar. In the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, it is anamnesis. You can hear amnesia in there. It is a remembering of forgotten things. Well, this word is so foundational to who we are that you could say that remembering comes before everything, before belief, before trust, before gratitude, before forgiveness, before even joy. You must remember. My question for you and for me is, what will you remember when you look back on the great disruption of 2020? Well, my prayer is that we would come out of this Memorial Day weekend, that the Spirit of God would move in such a powerful way through God's Word, that we would look back on this wilderness season, and we will remember the mighty things that God does in us and through us. And actually, we would look back on this season and actually look back upon it with wonder, with humility, and yes, even joy. Now, speaking of looking back on a wilderness season, there's perhaps no greater leader in Scripture who saw God's mighty works and God's faithfulness in the midst of the wilderness than Moses. Right now, we're going to turn to Scripture. It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 19. And this is a moment where Moses has looked back on the last 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 1 says that that journey should have taken just 11 days you see, they weren't physically lost, they were spiritually lost, and they were 40 years in the wilderness. And Deuteronomy is this phenomenal speech. Speeches, really, that, that Moses, after 40 years in the wilderness, gives to this new generation of Israelites who were born in the wilderness who hadn't yet seen with their own eyes the fullness of what God was about to do. And Moses continues to say again and again and again, do not forget, do not forget, do not forget who the Lord is. Do not forget who you are. And he says, remember, remember, remember. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11, 19, it's one of those moments in his speeches to the nation of Israel. And he says it this way, and how significant is it for us today, wherever we find ourselves, whatever we're going through, as we find ourselves in this great disruption of 2020, whether you feel like you are in a wilderness or not, my prayer is that these words through the power of the Holy Spirit would speak truth and hope and power into your life. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 19. The Spirit of God writes through Moses, Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I, Moses, am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, 
who led you through the great and terrible wilderness and arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know, to humble you and to test you and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. If you do forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. This, my friends, is the ending of the reading of God's word. And as we often say, thanks be to God. Remember. When you're able to remember the words of God, the works of God, and the worship of God, it completely changes everything in your life. But before we get to those three points, this, uh, this sermon's going to be a lot like a, a crock pot meal. Perhaps some of you are preparing some dishes this Memorial Day weekend in a crock pot, and you know very differently than a microwave where you just pop something in, press the numbers, and two minutes later out pops a meal. A crock pot is where you put a lot of ingredients in. And as you know, the longer that that stew of ingredients simmers and saturates and marinates, something comes out of that crock pot that is exponentially more than just the sum total of those ingredients. Somehow the synthesis of all of those things, though it takes much longer, creates something beautiful. My prayer is that not just in the length of this sermon, but actually in the length of your life as you marinate in this truth, that something beautiful will come out. That it will last much longer in your memory than just a microwavable meal. So again, before I get to those three points of remembering the words of God, the works of God, and the worship of God, I want to talk about the latest research, the latest neurological research when it comes to memory. Now, uh, many of you know that I received my doctorate from George Fox uh, University under Leonard Sweet, or perhaps you know that I received my Master's of Divinity at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, but maybe not all of you know that before all of that, uh, I actually received my degree in psychology from the University of Southern California here in Los Angeles. I am a geek when it comes to neuroscience. And though I started college not having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, through that college experience, I gave my life to Jesus. And it completely changed how I saw my studies. And I think that one of the reasons why still today, even as a pastor, why I love neuroscience is that I actually see that science is beginning to catch up with that which is already revealed in Scripture. In fact, if you go deep into the current study of uh, astronomy, you begin to see that what scientists and astronomers are finding is that uh, much of it actually has already been revealed in Scripture. Uh, if you go deep into the study of the human body, that actually much of what we are learning and discovering through empirical research is that which 
that has already been described in beautiful poetry of words in scripture. In fact, you can see that even in neuroscience, how important memory is today. Some of you uh, are familiar with TED Talks, and I have a, a phenomenal TED Talk that I want to share with you. If you were to go to my Instagram page, click on the link in my bio, it will send you to a link tree, and the top result is actually a TED Talk given by a Nobel Prize winner by the name of Daniel Kahneman. And he shares this TED Talk. It's been viewed over six million times, and it talks about the riddle between experience versus memory. And the latest research, and he says it this way, is that you might consider the fact that you are two selves, is how he describes it. You're experiencing self and you're remembering self. Now, let me illustrate this to you in this way. Imagine if you uh, were to go to a movie theater. Can you even remember what that was like? And you are in this movie theater, and you've been waiting to see this movie for a long time, and it's a glorious film, and you're 90 minutes, and you're experiencing this film, and as you get to the climax, there's a couple people who are talking, and there's somebody who's, you know, doing that thing that they do, and there's this commotion, and all of a sudden, 90 minutes, and right at the climax of this beautiful film, all of a sudden, a fight breaks out a few rows in front of you, and there's this massive disruption, a massive commotion, and the theater employees have to run and break up the fight. And even though you experienced 90 minutes of the film, and if, let's say, the fight was only for 90 seconds, chances are your memory of that moment, your memory of that night, your memory of that movie will be dominated by the fight. Even though it lasted for 90 seconds compared to the 90 minutes of the film. And I guarantee you that if decades go by, there are chances that you will not remember the details or even the name of the film quite like you will remember in your mind's eye that fight. Because it was out of the ordinary. Because it was unexpected. You see, Daniel Kahneman in this TED Talk and the latest in neuroscience says that there is the self that experiences things and there's the self that remembers things, but the self that remembers things, we place superordinate value on that self. Now, let me give you uh, an example, uh, a, a test. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you a choice. Imagine if you were given the opportunity whenever you wanted to go to a trip of a lifetime, all expense paid trip. Now, I'm saying as often as you want to go because some of you, you love traveling. You might travel every month. Some of you, you know, it's a lot of work, so maybe you'll travel once a year. But as often as you wanted to go, you had an all expense paid, kind of like bucket list level trip. As often as you want to go, that's, that's option one. Now, option two is this. Uh, you've got to pay for it, and it's never as frequently as you would like to go, but you're able to go on a, you know, a, a decent vacation to a, a decent location. So on one hand, uh, high quality, high quantity versus uh, lower quality and lower quantity. Which one do you choose? Now, some of you are like, I just want to get out of the house. I don't care where it is. Let's go to Barstow. Let's go. Likely, you're going to choose the higher quality higher quantity, especially because it's paid for. All right, you are making a decision in your experiencing self right there. 
You are comparing the two when you consider the experiences as frequently uh, as you want versus uh, not, not as much. But now I'm going to throw a little bit of a wrench to demonstrate to you why the remembering self is distinct from the experiencing self and why we often place a superordinate value on the remembering self. Now, again, this is neuroscience, and it's going to go right to what Scripture already says. So here's the wrench that I'm going to throw into this. Now, imagine that higher quality one that you likely already chose. Imagine if you were told, yes, you can go as frequently as you want. Yes, it'll be you know, completely paid for. It'll be bucket list level type things. Here's the only catch is that you have to take a pill at the end of the trip and you will forget everything from every single one of those unforgettable trips. Or you've got option two. You got to pay for it. It won't be as frequent as you want. It'll be, you know, a decent trip to a decent location, but you'll have the memories and the photographs to take home with you. So which one do you choose? Forgetting every unforgettable trip or remembering every decent trip? Nine times out of ten, you likely will choose, no, I want the trip that I can remember. Because why do we go on vacation? It's not just for the experiences, it's for the memories. Why do we travel outside our comfort zones if it's not to come back refreshed, renewed, recalibrated to that which really matters because of the memories that we bring home back with us? You see, neuroscience says... That though we on average have about 600,000 present moments per month. Neuroscience says a present moment lasts for three seconds. It's now. And now now is gone. But we've got a new now. And now that is gone. Science and time says that we have about 600,000 of those experiences of a present moment every single month. Some say 600 million in a lifetime. But why is it that we don't remember all those experiences? I'm not saying you live a boring life. It's just that so much of our life is routine, is mundane, is expected, and it just becomes a blur. And so science is saying that that which we remember about things, what we remember about experiences actually changes our identity. It changes our perspective. Uh, an ability to remember the past actually enables us to make decisions, enables us to have gratitude, or enables us to actually relate to people in a very different way than if we were just an experiencing self. It's also the reason why two people can have the exact same experience but have two very different memories of that experience. And that's why, though there's the same experience and different memories, then there are different decisions that are made in the future. Well, again, Scripture continually reminds us to remember, to remember, to remember. And there's this fascinating, and this is, I did my entire uh, doctoral dissertation on this one word, remember. And in doing so, I, I uh, began to learn about this concept of narrative identity theory. Again, I'm, I'm giving you all this background of, of current science and current sociology to understand that it is catching up to that which is already revealed in Scripture. 
Well, narrative identity theory says this, that we understand who we are based upon the stories that we tell about ourselves. For example, if I was somehow able to jump through the camera, through your screen and, you know, be with you right now. And if I asked you the question, hey, so tell me about yourself. Chances are you won't bake me a cake. You won't give me a math equation. You'll tell me stories. It's because we understand who we are using the words that we've learned from our family of origin, our places of existence, our communities of belonging. We are storied selves. No wonder God is constantly saying, remember, remember, remember. Because when we remember who God is, when we remember whose we are and who we are, then it actually, it makes us whole. And there's this pattern from beginning to end of scripture where God shows up, God reveals God's self uh, in powerful words and in works, and it leads the, the people of God to then worship God. And when they understand the words of God and the works of God, they see that those words and those works are in sync with one another. They see that the words of God and the works of God are always in harmony with one another. They see that the words of God and the works of God always have integrity. I love that English word. It comes from the word integer. You know, an integer is a whole number. To have integrity is to be a whole person in your words, in your thoughts, in your actions. It's your yeses being yes and your noes being no. It is following through with your intent and who you say you are. But when we lack integrity, that means we aren't whole. That means we are fractured. That means we are fragmented. And there's this rhythm throughout all of Scripture that after a season of time, people begin to forget the words of God and the works of God. They, start, they stop worshiping God and they began to become they begin to become uh, fragmented and fractured. And they co-opt other stories of the dominant culture. And it distorts their identity. It distorts their purpose. And they begin to live lives not worshiping their creator, the king of kings. They worship other things. And their lives begin to become fragmented, fractured, dismembered. The great disruption of 2020, this season we find ourselves in right now, has actually revealed that which has been under the surface for so long, and many people are finding their lives fragmented, fractured, losing their identity, losing their sense of purpose, losing the relational fabric between that which they believe is real. And there's this truth in Scripture that the only way to uh, remember, to put ourselves back together, this dismembered life that we have, is to remember who God is, who we are, and whose we are. And that brings us back to Deuteronomy, where Moses is saying to the nation of Israel, where the Spirit of God through God's Word is saying to you and me today that if you want to be made whole again, if you want to have an identity that can't be shaken, if you want to have a purpose that transcends your circumstances, 
If you want to be able to live a life that regardless of uh, what the doctors say, regardless of what your bank account says, regardless of what uh, anything in life is happening around you, that you're able to stand firm with humility and joy and a strength and a peace that surpasses all understanding, then it is through remembering. It is through being made whole again by the words and the works and the worship of the Lord. So let's take a look again back at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Again, this is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel 40 years in the wilderness, speaking to us today in this wilderness season. Verse 11, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes. In other words, Moses is saying, do not forget the words of the Lord. You see, the, the commandments weren't just a bunch of rules. It was so much more than that. It was the binding definition of what life could look like if you chose to live in the design of God so that you would actually thrive in a relationship with God, with fellow humanity, with yourself, with creation. That the limitations that God put on those Israelites, which God longs for us today, is actually a source of freedom, a source of, of thriving. In fact, many of you perhaps remember from last week where we talked about a true freedom versus a shadow freedom. Well, the words of the Lord speak true, a true freedom. And Moses is saying the nation of Israel and is saying to us today, do not forget the words of God. Now, more than perhaps any other time in your life, you need the word of God. You need to immerse your life in the words of God. You need to be in Christ-centered community where you can ask questions, where you can talk about, where you can wrestle with, where you can chew on that which God speaks through the written word of God. The more that we remember the words of God, the more we remember who we are, the more we remember God's love for us, the more we remember an identity that has been given to us, not based upon our works, but upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, the more we will get centered and grounded in this sense of an identity and a purpose. It is the words of God that shape our story, that shape our identity in such an unshakable way that there's nothing else in the cosmos that can provide that level of security. But Moses goes on. He says, don't just forget the words of God. Don't forget the works of God. This is how he says it again in Deuteronomy chapter 8. In verse 12, when you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself Forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so Moses now goes into the works of God that are integrated with, that are in sync with, that are in harmony with the faithful word of God. And he goes on and he says in verse 15, The Lord your God who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions, he made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know. 
In the same way, God has been at work in your life. And there is a call, a clarion call that God has that echoes across the land that you and me would remember the works of God in our life. That we would remember God's faithfulness, that God has carried us through certain seasons. It's often only our remembering self that can look back on those experiences and say, you know what? God was with me in that season. My experience was that I was all alone, but now looking back, I do remember and I do think and I do believe and I do trust and I have faith that God was with me. That actually God was withholding a, a worse experience for me. That it was actually through that season that I found hope. I found that relationship. I found that joy. It actually changed me. It gave me more um, sustenance. It gave me more strength. It gave me more resilience. But it's not just the works of God in your life. It's the works of God throughout all of human history. You see, Moses is speaking to a new generation that was born in the wilderness. A new generation that hadn't physically experienced being rescued from Egypt. That was their parents' generation. Their parents' generation has now died out. It's been 40 years since that day, and yet Moses is saying to the nation of Israel, this new generation, these new kids, and he says, remember the works of God. In fact, later on, Moses says to the same group of people, he says, remember when you saw with your own eyes the miracles that God did in Moses? These people hadn't been born yet. And there's this powerful truth that comes when you realize that you can have eyes of faith. That you don't have to physically see the works of God to remember the works of God. That as you study the words of God, that through faith, through trust, through belief, that you can see the work that God does in other people's life and you can take that upon yourself. You can find yourself in this story. You can find yourself as part of God's people. You can find yourself with this truth that you can rest on and say in the same way that God has rescued them, God rescues me. And you can take all the stories of God's works in Scripture and you can remember them and you can build your life upon that truth. And as you spend time in Christ-centered communities, you hear the work of God in other people's lives. That actually builds your faith. You can actually remember the works of God in other people's lives and you can begin to see, not with physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes, the miraculous works of God. And so Moses says, don't forget the words of God. Don't forget the works of God. And surely do not forget the worship of God. You see, there is this natural response that happens when you immerse your life in the words of God and the works of God. It leads you to worship, to respond I love, and I've said it before, that worship in the English language has its origins in the old English of worth-ship. That which we think is worth our attention, that which we think is worth our time, that which we think is worth our, our, our thoughts and our, our money are the things that we 
we worship. As I've heard it say before, that if, if you showed me your, your calendar, if you showed me your bank statements, we could tell you what you worship. You see, our heart follows the things that we give the most attention to. And if we were to remember the words of God and the works of God, we will worship God with our lives. This is how Moses says it this way. Again, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse 19. If you do forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you will surely perish. And it's this warning shot across the bow that echoes across the globe in human history that if we forget God's words and forget God's works and forget the worship of God, we fall into believing other words and other works and we begin to worship other things. In our lives, long before we physically perish, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, we begin to perish, we begin to deteriorate, we begin to, to get dismembered and fragmented and there is a cure and it is through remembering the words of God, the works of God and the worship of God. And yet at the same time, we have something today that the nation of Israel didn't have back then. We actually have the embodiment, the person who is the word of God and the works of God. In fact, Colossians 1, in Hebrews 1, speak to this in a very profound and a powerful and a, in, a, in a cosmic way that I can't even wrap my mind around for an iota of a percentage. And yet there's this truth that Paul writes in Colossians 1 about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, this is in Christ, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. In fact, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus contains the fullness of the words of God and the works of God. You can only find your identity and your purpose and your story in Christ. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, pressing into this profound truth. The writer of Hebrews, easy to remember here, Colossians 1 and now in Hebrews 1, says this, Hebrews 1 verse 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir over all things, through whom he also created the world. He, this is Jesus, is the reflection, the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. Remember how in the beginning I said that to personally know someone who has given their life in service for others changes everything? And how I find myself 
on this Memorial Day in 2020, not personally knowing anybody who has physically given their life and service to our country. Here's how I do know. Jesus Christ, whose scripture says, demonstrated God's love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even Jesus said, there is no greater love than this, than one who would give their life for someone else. And this wasn't just a soldier. This wasn't just a, a first responder. This was the mighty and matchless King of Kings who Colossians 1 says, all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus. This is the one who Hebrews chapter 1 says is the exact radiance of God's glory who sustains the cosmos by the power of his word. That that Jesus embodied the word and the works of God. That wherever Jesus went, we got the clearest picture of the words of God. In fact, Jesus had to clarify what God meant on so many occasions. Wherever Jesus went, we saw the works of God on full display. And because of the words and works having integrity, because they were synchronized, because they were whole, because they were harmonious, everybody who personally knew Jesus became whole as well. In fact, the Greek word for save, sozo, is this picture of somebody becoming whole again. Somebody who was dismembered becoming remembered again. Somebody who was fragmented, now put together as God intended. On this Memorial Day weekend, regardless if you know somebody who has given their life and service for this country, you can personally know someone, Jesus Christ, who gave their life, not just for humanity, but gave their life for you. And today you can have that personal relationship with that one who with all of his freedom laid down his life, who went to the cross to be forgotten by God so that you would be remembered through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in him today. Find your identity and your purpose and your meaning and your significance in life through the very word of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And as you press into that truth, as you hear the words of God wash over you, words of love, of hope, of forgiveness, of an invitation to live a life that is for so much more than yourself, for the sake of others, then you actually begin to experience through the power of the Holy Spirit a life of wholeness, a life of integrity. But it begins by remembering. That's my prayer for you today and every day. Let's pray. Jesus, you have told us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus, you also tell us that there is a truth that through faith in you that you will remember our sins no more. It's not because you forget the information. It's because you choose to not look at us through that lens. You remember your works. You remember your faithfulness. You remember your word, your works that cover over our brokenness, that give us a new identity, a new purpose, a new meaning in life.
And so Jesus, on this Memorial Day weekend, would we remember that your words are more powerful than anything else, that your works are more powerful than anything else, that you alone, Jesus, are worthy of our worship. Make us whole again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.